Let's catch up now uh, with uh, Kirsty Pickett of the Southland app based in Teano and some of the news from the region. Uh, look, Kirsty, I, I heard about this in, in the national news just recently. What's going on? Tuatapuri having to wait another year now before the Hump Ridge track can claim to be a great walk. Gosh, how old is that track now? About a decade, a little bit over a decade old, Kirsty? Uh, so it was opened in 2019, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. 2007. Sorry. Got, we need to go back a bit. So uh, would be that next track. Um, it actually, the track itself opened in t- November two thousand and one. Oh wow, it's that um, old. Okay, great. Yeah, it's quite. It's yeah. So I mean, the, the the reasons for the delay are around you know COVID delays, um, weather access and things. But so and the, and then while it's a, you know it's a shame, um, it's not really a huge story. I just thought it was quite interesting to talk about because of the track itself and a lot of people oh, may definitely. not know a lot, about look, a, lot of, a lot of people love that track and it's sort of been a de facto great walk for, for quite some time. Uh, so just, really just fill us, yeah, just fill us yeah, in on, on, it, what's, uh, on, on what people experience. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not <clears> – one of the things that's, that's interesting about it, it's not all on conservation land and it's managed by a charitable trust. So it came about as an idea from the Tuatapari and Districts Promotions Group as a way of creating jobs and bringing income into the area following the loss of forestry. And the route takes in land that's managed by DOC, the uh, Southern District Council, the Silna blocks there, that's South Island Landers Native Act land, and other areas owned by private individuals and groups. And Countless hours of volunteer time and resources poured into building it before it was opened in, as I say, two thousand November 2001. Um, so, but it's a spectacular part of the country. It's a 61-kilometre track. It, go, it covers beach, it covers for, coastal areas, forest areas, alpine environments, and there's three really amazing historic viaducts there, which incredible feats of engineering, especially when you take into account the remoteness of the um, area and the era in which they were built. So the track takes about three days to walk, and it's considered quite a challenging tramp. But, you know, by elevating it to that great walk standard, it's going to improve the safety and accessibility. So it's things like realigning sections of the track, adding steps and boardwalks in those tricky areas. And also there's work being done with Mana Whenua to develop that storytelling and interpretation for the track. I have to say, though, the track is open. Yeah. <laughs> you can still walk it. Yeah, in fact, so get in before it becomes it. a great walk and you can't book. <laughs> To be honest, yeah. So they reckon they're about halfway through the the work. So anyone who does walk it this year will notice some significant um, wonderful improvements already. Now let's talk about this Milford Opportunities Project Master Plan. Uh, look, interestingly, I, I had an interview um, with the former chair of about the review that's been done of it, and. I really kind of got the impression that there was a rethinking about lots of what had been proposed. There's a new phase now. I was talking with Bill Day, um, but there's a new phase now looking at just that, looking at feasibility. Just reminds people of what some of the proposals are. Yeah, look, there's an awful lot in it. I guess narrowing it down is there's kind of four main objectives and one is around levying international visitors another one's around slowing people down and spreading them out over time um 
One of them is about managing their access. That's largely about a proposal for a sort of park and ride style scheme. And the fourth is about weaving Manafinua values into the experience. Those are kind of the four main areas. But there were of things focus. like um, abandoning mm. an oh. airstrip, right? There was that. And then the, yeah. there was also the feasibility of saying to international visitors, you can't drive, you have to get on a bus. But then what do you do? You have a toll gate at the entrance? Is that what this next stage is for, to really drill down? So, yeah, so I mean, where we're at at the moment is they've released the results of the initial surveying. So um, those survey results have found that um, 75% of the New Zealand surveyed and 91% of the international visitors strongly liked the overall master plan. Um, more than 86% of New Zealanders saw Milford Sound is really iconic, and 72% liked that idea of that hop-on, hop-off public transport to get there, and the number was even higher for internationals. Um, and, and interestingly, 79% of visitors were happy with the idea of having to pay a fee. So, um, yeah, so some of the uh, more contentious areas are still requiring more work, so that's things like the um, future of the uh, airport in there and um, things like cruise ships. Um, and there's also another significant piece of work that ties into it around the um, development of that, the Tiana Basin development plan. So that stuff's still kind of all um, still in progress. But the, the where we're at the moment is we've got this, we've got these survey results. Anyone can go to the uh, website and read those results in more detail, and and you can still provide feedback there. So the next steps uh, for the project team are to actually test some key policy options around those things that have been proposed and they're planning to meet with the ministers of conservation tourism and transport in december uh the refined options then get taken to cabinet and with an aim to have it out for full public consultation early next year probably around february march interesting so yeah yeah, so i mean the master plan is is not a statutory document it still has to get signed off by cabinet understood goes anywhere but there's yeah some good news for the some good news for the Hollyford Conservation Trust yeah yeah so the Hollyford Conservation Trust um was set up back in 2014 um with the aim of establishing like um what's known as an island mainland island sanctuary so it's uh 2600 hectares in the lower hollyford valley and this area is considered to be one of the field and national parks most fertile areas so it's got lots of really productive ecosystems that once upon a time fed fed huge numbers of bird and vertebrates and lizards but of course productive areas also feed rats and stoats and and possums and whatnot um Anyway, it's also quite an unusual area because while it's embedded in the National Park, there are some areas of private land, which is a leftover of early attempts to settle it. So there's about 19 private land holdings in there. And a restoration plan was developed, as I say, about 10 years ago, largely spearheaded by those private landowners. And they were the ones that had witnessed the demise of the bird life. Um, So things like robins, mohua and kiwi had all gone. And... So now there's really large area of trapping infrastructure in place, and it's been really successful in keeping the predators at low levels. Um, and that in itself is impressive because, you know, Martins Bay is a really remote area. You've got to either tramp there, which takes a couple of days, or go in by plane or helicopter, and also quite challenging weather. But one of the big game changers was the Jobs for Nature funding, which enabled the trust to <clears throat> expand the size of the area being managed from that 3,000 hectares to 12,000 hectares. So it's like a massive increase. 
And um, yeah, and the return of the bird life has been spectacular. So when they first started monitoring, they were recording like one bellbird per hectare and now now there's eight. And they've got flocks of kiruru and kaka being seen. In fact, the trust chairman counted 46 in a gum tree buyer's property recently. And some of those um, smaller, lesser known wetland birds are also becoming more common. And, and the forest itself is also improving without that, that possum browse. So they've already reintroduced uh, South Island robin and big goal now is um, their, their eye is to eventually, or hopefully sooner rather than later, reintroduce kiwi and pheo. Fantastic. Fantastic, Kirsty. Yeah. Now, Tano's gearing up for an influx of visitors. Just a couple of minutes left. What's happening? Oh, yeah, it's our big weekend. Uh, Labor weekend traditionally marks the start of the summer visitor season here in Fiordland, and the Stabycraft fishing competition is is one of the biggies. It's uh, uh, the, the big attraction is that top prizes are fully kitted out, Stabycraft both with a value of about $100,000, and you only need to land a fish to go in the draw. Um, so, uh, and they've also, last year, they introduced an app so you can do catch and release and just take a photo of your fish. Um, there's about another forty or fifty thousand dollars of additional prizes, so it's like a huge thing for our, our little town. And a big part of the weekend is getting kids and families involved. So we've got a whole special pond here that gets um, stocked with salmon, and we have this take a fish, uh, sorry, take a kid fishing competition <laughs> where they can go and, and and fish in that pond as well. And so it's something for everyone there. And we're looking for a really looking forward to a really big weekend and lots of uh, people in town and a. Hopefully another a busy summer season. Hopefully it turns on a good day for you, uh, but either way, there'll be heaps of fun. Have a brilliant weekend. Thanks, Kirsty. Thank you. Kirsty Pickett, she is co-owner of the Southland app, covering Southland and Fiordland.